Welcome to the Locking Castle Church podcast. This Sunday morning teaching was given as part of the Spirit-Led Summer series. Wow, good morning. And we had a fantastic uh, Spirit-Led season and um, I can just say thank you Andy, it's a real privilege to be part of this and we've had such fantastic talks uh, over the past few weeks about forgiveness, prayer, listening to God. It's been wonderful. Now, what's in the box? Do you like ventriloquism? Do you? Do you like ventriloquism? No? Okay. Perhaps it's a puppet. Nah, there isn't a puppet. Yes, there is. I can see the looks of relief in your face that I am not going to do any ventriloquism or is there any puppets involved. But we shall come to that box later on. Thank you for the reading, Paul. That's marvellous. Now, I chose this reading of Isaiah 40 to try and encapsulate an attempt of what I'm going to tell you this morning. And it's rather a lot, so please bear with me. Okay, so let's go back a couple of years now, and the world is hit by COVID. We had our lockdowns, we were, natural sort of visits to family and friends were taken away, and it was a very tough time. Now, like so many, I was put on the furlough scheme. And as it turned out, I was on furlough for 12 months. Now, after those 12 months, people did say to me, wow, that must have been some holiday. No, it wasn't a holiday. Each month, I didn't know if I was going to have a job at the end of each one. So it was a difficult time. Was I going to lose my job like so many other people? Where were we going to go? So it's during this time that I decided to sort through my father's shed. Now, this was the task that I had procrastinated for so long. And this was a time which was just over two years after my father had passed away due to signet cell cancer, just at the age of 74. So it was a task that I kept putting off. I visited his shed many times. It almost became a shrine. Every time I would step in, I'd go, hi, Dad. Of course, I would be able to be with my dad wherever I went, but it just seemed so fitting, that shed. My dad was an engineer all his life. There was nothing he did not know about uh, engineering. He had been an engineer since the age of 15, right until retirement. So I had the daunting task to search for all the items there. Of course, there were all sorts of things, tools, uh, metalwork, lathe, but my dad was a bit of a hoarder as well, and I found all sorts of things like the old telephone we used to have in the 1970s there, an old fire extinguisher, a box of golf balls. I even found a childhood game of Yahtzee. Do you remember that, Yahtzee? All sorts of things. He was a bit of a hoarder. He always had this phrase of, well, keep it. You never know it might come in handy. 
And I think we're all a bit guilty of that in one way or, or another. But it's during this search that I came across this wooden box. Now, I wasn't 100% it was a wooden box because it was black. It was covered in grease, just general dirt. But uh, I took a closer look and I could see it could open up and saw these drawers. So I think, I thought to myself, here's a thing of beauty actually, which I perhaps can work on it and in respect to my dad. Because I'm sure it was an engineer's or apprentice's box that he had. Or failing that is something that my dad picked up at a market and thought, well, that will come in handy, put my tools in. I will never know. But I like to think that's something that he used a lot. So I decided to take the box home. And on the first slide here, if you can see the here, that's what it looked like, okay? Um, very, very dark. The handle was almost literally falling apart. What bits of chrome were on the handle were very rusty. I can have the next slide, please. Thank you. And there's just the, the rear view of the box. And it just had a, a, just a piece of ply at the back. It wasn't solid wood. But as I examined it and cleaned it and cleaned it, this grain was starting to come through. Can I have another one, please? And there at the front are the drawers. So I spent a lot of time doing this. And I wasn't 100% of what I was sure I was doing. Okay, I watched things like the repair shop, salvage hunters and programs like that. And I've had a sort of bit of background logic from what my dad uh, would sometimes do with general DIY. So I spent weeks on it, cleaning it, sanding it, but I was too frightened to use electric uh, sanding mouse or anything like that because I was worried that I was going to ruin it and which could tarnish my dad's memory. So I had a lot of respect for it. But eventually, this beautiful grain of oak came through and you could see the dovetail joints. Uh, it was just such a beautiful piece of work. And then I decided to add oils and eventually wax it, about three lots of each. And we've got some slides here of the end result, just in case you can't see the box here. And I actually used a sort of a shoe lever reviving moisturizer on the handle. So I managed to keep the original handle. I cleaned up the chrome. And I even used things like wetted uh, foil paper, which apparently is good getting rust off. And it worked. And next slide, please. There's just a side view. So you can see the beautiful natural grain coming through. It's gorgeous. And just one more slide there. Okay, so that's straight in the front. Now, this originally was caked in dirt inside. It had all these compasses and measuring tools what engineers would use when uh, making certain pieces on a metal lathe, which my dad did a lot. And it was filthy and it had a blue material inside but it was, it was no good, I had to get rid of the material. So I bought some fresh uh, sort of um, felt to go on it to protect it and that. But I didn't want to give anything more new to it. I didn't want to get rid of its patina, its history and what it meant to me and obviously what it meant to my dad. So after doing the box, um, um, I decided to have a go at something else. Could I have the next slide please, Sue? Now, you may recognize this. There we go, all right. I'd seen the cross and I asked Tom, do you mind if I have a go at just touching up? It was fine as it was before. It was 
It was a bit wobbly, and it had a, like a dark varnish on it, and it was all right. But I could see the grain was dying to like be shown more, so I stripped it right back by hand again and oiled it and waxed it. And that was the end result. And it still works, obviously. <laughs> okay. So, after seeing all those things, I was approached by Tom about this table here. Could I have the next slide, please? Thank you, sir. Now, I did say to Tom, can you send me a photo of what I'm dealing with? And he said, there's the odd bit of wine stain, a bit of water stain. When I saw that photo, I thought, somebody's been having a party. Look at that wine stain there. What have I been missing out on? <laughs> and the surface was faded, and I couldn't understand why is the top so faded and worn? Now, if you look carefully, Mims, who's in the picture, is holding an iron and the cloth that goes on top. So the lesson I learned was heat and varnish do not mix. <laughs> so that was the task ahead. And Tom asked me, if you feel comfortable doing it, give it a go. And I said, well, I'll do my best. I'll see how it goes. Can I have the next one, please? So that's the work in progress. And I hand us sand it back right down. Now, there were some stains in there, but that deep, the red wine, I couldn't take it all out. If I just concentrated on one area, you'd have a great big dip in the surface. So you just had to let things be. And then finally, I then, once I started that, recoded it, and that's how it is today. Now, I'm not here to give you a lecture about wood finishing, and I don't want to bore you to death about that, so please stay awake. But to me, I am just a mere uh, apprentice when it comes to wood finishing. I am not a professional. I don't claim to be. But it's also like our faith journey. We try so hard to be the perfect Christian. But that does not exist on this earth. None of us can be. But we learn these skills and we do our best and we dig deep. So when I was tackling this box, it was a task in itself. And of course, this was my dad's box. I was just the custodian of it. The same with this table. It's not my table. It's the church's table. It's God's table. And the anxiety would build up. Am I going to do it justice? Will I ruin these pieces of work? The same applied with furlough. Am I going to have a job at the end of the month? Uh, will I have enough to provide food and water for my children, for, for my family? Will we be able to keep our house? So we had to dig deep and pray. And we all come across these um, obstacles in life. And we wonder, where is God in all this? Where am I going to go? What does the future bring? And that turns me to Isaiah 40, the verses 28. Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth? He will not grow tired or weary. 
So with this process, I had to learn to be patient. I was quite eager to get certain results. But then sometimes you'd go a bit too far, make too many mistakes, and you try and rectify those mistakes. And you try and do justice by it. Now, on the back of the box is that plywood, and it had splintered off some cracks. Now, if I wanted to, I could have replaced that and put a brand new piece of wood. But that would be destroying what I'm trying to do. I had to accept, but that was its history. That is what it had gone through. Knowing life, we have these cracks, we have these broken bits, and we have to try and accept it is what it is, which is a phrase I keep hearing so often, it is what it is. And we have to find a way of moving on. Now that can be a form of broken relationships, uh, losing a job, grief. Grief is so tough to get around. And I believe you, you don't totally get rid of grief, but with time, you learn to manage grief. My dad uh, was a very fit gentleman, much stronger and taller than I am. And uh, when he had the cancer, it was quite difficult to see how it was affecting uh, him. And I'm sure he had a lot of questions, why me? He wasn't a heavy smoker. He didn't smoke, he didn't drink, he had a quite a healthy lifestyle, and yet, like so many, he had this condition. But I persevered with this box and took time. My father took time to spend quality time with family, as he always did. Now, my dad wasn't a practicing Christian he had good Christian values. And I remember the time when he uh, had to uh, talk about preparing for his inevitable uh, funeral, that he did not want a church blessing. He wasn't an atheist, but he thought, well, if I didn't go to church, why should I have a blessing now? He felt it would be hypocritical. My mother continued to go to church for all their, throughout their whole relationship from the time they, they met through marriage and all that, and he never got in that way. He respected her love of God. And I respected his decision there. And in the uh, months leading before my dad's death, he wanted to get rid of some old damson trees. They'd started to get rotten. The fruit was no good. And I decided to help him get rid of these damson trees, which involved a lot of digging and sawing, and I'd say, yeah, Dad, I'll take over. I did a bit. And I grew weak. And I felt embarrassed. And my dad said, all right, son. And he would then continue. Where did that strength come from? I turned to my mother. I said, it's embarrassing. I said, here he is. He's 74. He's at stage three cancer, stage four cancer. And yet he can still saw at this tree. He has the strength of an ox. And it was incredible. So looking at Isaiah 40, verses 29 to 30. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. Now before I touch on the last verse of that passage, 
I would like to just refer to my all-time favorite piece of scripture. Put that, please. It's Philippians 4:13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, the first time I come across that piece of scripture, my good friend Paul Gill was going to do the sermon up here, and I was going to do the reading. And when I had prepared reading this particular piece, when I first read it, I thought, wow, that is so powerful. What an incredible piece of scripture. And I read it, and I read it, and I read it, so I almost knew it off by heart. Now, on the morning of that service, I was on welcoming there, and there was a, a visit to the premises, and basically this person had said something to me which totally threw my confidence. It really knocked me for six. And I sat at the back thinking, why should I go up and do this? Why should I read this piece for people if they're going to have an attitude like that? I was just trying to help them. Why should I do this? They can read it themselves. And I was almost about to walk out. But then I felt... How did I feel when I read that piece? I can't walk out of that church. I'm going to go out and do it. And I went up here and I did it. And I thank the Lord that I did. And it was that opportunity where I think the devil was uh, trying to throw me off. And luckily I could look back and wiggle my finger and say, not this time, you're not. But I've only been to New Wine once. And I think it was 2019 we went. And I was struggling a bit with my mental health. But the next morning, and I'm not going to go into huge detail, but I had a visual and a word from Jesus himself. We put hands to each other. And he laughed at me saying, I've always been here. And he then went on to say, that don't, basically don't sweat the small stuff and know that I am always here. Now, I've told some people, well, I've told quite a few people about that. How do you keep that quiet? And, uh, and they're like, wow. And, and like me, I always thought before having Jesus in your life, I thought, wow, if you had Jesus in life, you're going to be bulletproof. Interesting, isn't it? So let's put that to the board, shall we? We asked our survey, if you encountered Jesus, had him in your life, would you, what would you become? You said bulletproof. Our survey said, eh, eh. I'm sorry, that's not the right answer. The top answer is everlasting love. Even when you meet Jesus or have Jesus in your, in your life, it doesn't stop you from having these difficulties in life, these challenges, these heartbreaks. They will come. They will come. But with having him in your, in your life and what he has taught us gives us the tools to deal with it. And through with all our fellow Christians, we have this church family all here for each other, everyone. We live in a difficult world where people will put on a mask. People struggle. They want to continue, especially... Uh, famous people, they constantly battle to try and look youthful, to try and fit in. And I feel so sorry for them because the press will stick a picture of them when they were in a movie back in 1984, then show them on a beach today and go, ooh, and they let themselves go. Well, who wouldn't? You know, 
you're bound to let yourself go over such a period of time. But the, the world can be so cruel like that. And you see some of these celebrities that should go under the knife, and there's some horrendous results, awful results. Um, if I can quote a, a line from Damien Nervich when she, uh, she was interviewed by the late Michael uh, Parkinson. And uh, she said, there's some uh, famous people out there, Michael, who go and see their uh, consultants and they have a good chat. But sadly, before they go into the knife, they forget to say, I want to be recognized. <laughs> it's true. When I dealt with this box here, it was caked in oil. And I brought it back to what I feel is this natural wood. It's true beauty. Now, some people, if they want to, they can sand it right back and put thick gloss on it. But where's the beauty in that? Everybody's different, and don't get me wrong. If you like shabby chic and all that, lovely, that's fine. No problem at all. But what are we hiding underneath? There's that natural beauty there. Luckily, when you get to finish these pieces of wood, you apply uh, the oils and the wax to protect it, to bring its true beauty out in all its glory. And I really feel that our church family, Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit, they are our oils. They are our wax. And they're there to be applied. You've just got to ask for it. It's there. And it doesn't cost anything. Now, I finished that box. You could say, well, that's it. Done for life. No. It's not done for life. There will come occasions where I might accidentally drop it. We've now got a puppy in our household, so he could knock it. You better not. <laughs> and with time, dust could build on it, and it can fade. But you can apply that oil, you can apply that wax, and bring it out of its troubled state. Like I said before, my dad was not a practicing Christian, but he had very good morals. And the amazing thing is, with days leading to his death, I heard from my mum that he had agreed to sit with her vicar and say the Lord's Prayer. Hallelujah. What an amazing occasion. I just wish I'd been there to witness it but my mum was there, and luckily she was, so she could then tell me and my sister as well. It was such a huge relief, and it's amazing. Now, I've given myself the skills to carry on and do other pieces of work. We talk about the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit can talk to us in so many ways, but only you know when you've been called by the Holy Spirit. There is no textbook saying, the Holy Spirit will talk to you in this way. Only you will experience that. You will know. And I really believe that the Holy Spirit did work for my dad on that. And then that's how he can help us. We're all going for new ventures. We've heard about grace going on to new things. And we pray that the Holy Spirit will guide to that. People starting new jobs. People starting new relationships, 
families growing. And we just pray for the constant oils and waxes. And we, we will get it. You just have to pray for it and be thankful for it. So looking at the last verse of Isaiah. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Now, before I finish, on the 27th of August, that would have been my dad's 80th birthday. And I think he would be rather somewhat amused to hear that he's been mentioned in a sermon and that box is in the sermon. I think he would have a bit of a giggle at that. Never in a month of Sundays, what do you think? Now, we, we say that the Holy Spirit talks to us in so many ways and we understand it in so many different ways. And the last thing my dad said to me as my mum and I were leaving the A&E ward was, look after yourself. About three hours after that, he did pass away. Now, some of you may say, look after yourself. Three simple words. But knowing my dad, as I did, that spoke volumes. And with your relationship with God and Jesus, whatever you hear will speak volumes. I really do believe that. Now, I thought of a way, how can I describe how those three words expand in a multitude of words? And I came across a poem. It's a rather famous poem. Some of those you would have heard this poem before. And I would like to read this out in the tribute, not just to my father, but to all the good fathers, the good mothers, and the good guardians who want the best for their children and given the words of motivation. Now this poem is about the words from a father to a son. And I think it touches on just a small element of what God wants from us. And it pretty much covers a lot of what our parents or guardians would say to us. The poem is If by Rudyard Kipling. If you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you. If you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but make allowance for their doubting too. If you can wait and not be tired by waiting, or being lied about, don't deal in lies, or being hated, don't give way to hating, and yet don't look too good nor talk too wise. If you can dream and not make your dreams your master. If you can think and not make thoughts your aim. If you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two impostors just the same. If you can bear to hear the truth you've spoken, twisted by knaves to make a trap for fools. Or watch the things you gave your life to, broken, stoop and build them up with worn out tools. If you can make one heap of all your winnings and risk it on the turn of pitch and toss and lose and start again at your beginnings 
and never breathe a word about your loss. If you can force your heart and nerve and sinew to serve your turn along after they are gone, and so hold on where there is nothing in you except the will which says to them, hold on. If you can talk with crowds and keep your virtue, or walk with kings nor lose the common touch, if neither foes nor loving friends can hurt you, with all men count with you, but none too much. If you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, yours is the earth and everything that's in it, and which is more, you'll be a man, my son. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for listening. To find out more about Locking Castle Church, please visit our website at lockingcastlechurch.org.